that. Thank you. Oh, good morning. Good morning. You can grab a seat. Nice to see you all. Are you well? You're alive? Doing good? Come on, give me a wave if you love Jesus this morning. Give me a smile. Well, it's good to be here. Um, it's been um, quite a number of years since I have, um, have been back. I, I can't think how long it's been, but it has been a while. But um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors of Equipus Church uh, in Surrey. And uh, I know last week, uh, Barry and Sarah made a, a, an announcement uh, about this church becoming part of the Equipus family. And uh, so we're incredibly excited about that. We've known Barry and Sarah for around about 10 years and have been uh, good friends with them in that time. But excited about the next step for you as a church. I hope you're excited. Um, just in case you don't know, Equipus started around about uh, 15 years ago, uh, maybe a little longer than that. Uh, we had uh, one church in Auckland, New Zealand. We had one church in London. And over the last 15 years, God's really been doing great things. I think we now have around about 35 different locations uh, right around the world. Um, last Sunday morning, I was in Germany in a place called Mainz, uh, which is near Frankfurt. And uh, there we have been journeying with a, a really great church of about 500 people that had been looking to be part of something bigger and uh, had met Pastor Bruce Monk, who some of you know, um, and uh, just there was a spirit connection. And over the last two years, they have been going on a journey to become an equippers. And so last weekend, we launched them as that in their new facility, which seats around about 600 people. And it was just an, an amazing weekend. And uh, so different stuff happening all around the world. This year, we're launching a church in Rio. Anybody feel called to Brazil? Feel called to Brazil? A couple of people. A couple of people. We are in the process of launching a church in Ghana at the moment. Anyone from Ghana here? There you go. I thought there might be. Um, in a place called Tima, which is about 30 minutes away from Accra, for those of you who know it. And uh, again, just some, some, some brilliant young men and women who spent time in our Bible college in Auckland who are now back in, uh, back in their hometown and looking to launch a church. And that's just really a fresh expression of, uh, of uh, really an age-old truth. Amen. Equipus Church really is about uh, being contemporary in expression, but we're conservative in nature. We believe the Bible, and we believe that we need the Holy Spirit, but we want to present it in a way that says to the world, God's he's moving. Amen? I know you guys get that. You guys understand that. And uh, so it's exciting. So to welcome you guys in over the next couple of months, uh, for us, in a way, nothing's really changed. We've known Barry and Sarah, like I said, for many, many years. They, in a way, they've been part of our family for a long time, but in a way, we're just making it official. And uh, so we are, we're excited anyway. So it's great to be with you this morning, and uh, I'm going to go straight to the Word of God. If you've got a Bible, you can turn with me. Otherwise, probably it will come on the screen. But we're going to go to Revelation Chapter 2 this morning, Revelation chapter 2, just while you turn there, um, just to let you know um, about, a little bit about me, I'm, I'm married to Monica, and uh, we've got four kids, we've got two boys and two girls, we've got a Caleb and a Joshua, amen, and we've got uh, Elsie, who turned uh, nine yesterday, and she loves Evie uh, Roberts, and was hoping she'd be there, and then we've got a little one uh, who's six, so we got a busy household, and then we got a dog as well, because we just didn't feel like we were busy enough, and, um, and the dog's the best behaved out of all of them, I've got to tell you. 
The dog's good. Here's what it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. It says this. Uh, it says, I know all that you've done for me. By the way, this was written to the church in Ephesus. I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles, and you have proved that they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, and yet you have not become discouraged. And so, you know, when I read that, I think, wow, they're doing really well. <laughs> when we read that, we think this church is doing good. It's, it's, it's sustaining. It's keep on going. It's enduring. It hasn't given up. It's been wise. It's figured out some things along the way. By the way, the, the, the church in Ephesus was once upon a time just a small church plant, but now it's a church of many thousands of people. It has grown into being something significant uh, in the world, and, and, and so uh, it goes on. You know, I kind of wish that the scripture stopped at this point, but unfortunately, it doesn't. It goes on and it says this, it says, uh, but I have this against you. Everybody say, uh-oh. Uh -oh. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love that you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love that you did at first. And otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. If you do not repent. This morning, I want to talk to you about passion. I want to talk to you about being passionate. I want to talk to you about maintaining your passion, increasing your passion. I want to talk to you about perhaps you had passion and you no longer have it. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you say, once upon a time, I was, I was passionate for God. But if you're honest this morning, you can, you can kind of understand what's happened in the church of Ephesus. But why don't we pray just before I, I go any farther. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. The Lord sets us free and sets us up. And Holy Spirit, we declare this morning that we are open and we are ready to receive your word. We are ready to be encouraged, and we're ready to be challenged. We're ready to respond at any moment where we need to respond this morning. So Heavenly Father, just help me as I minister your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know what kind of church tradition you grew up in or didn't grow up in, but God is actually a passionate God. Did you know that? God's a passionate God. Uh, God is not a kind of a lukewarm kind of a God. He, he, he's not a middle-of-the-road kind of God. He, he, he is a full-on, uh, perhaps you might say, over-the-top, uh, more than enough, 110%, fully-on-fire kind of a God. Sometimes I think we think God is, you know, like a, like a nice, gentle old man sitting in heaven with a white beard. We, we, we sometimes confuse God for being Father Christmas. Amen. But, but God is nothing like that. He is passionate. He's passionate. How do I know that? Well, I, I know it because the Bible tells me it. It says this in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a victorious warrior. So, so, so God is not a namby-pamby kind of a God. 
He's a victorious warrior. I like what it says. It goes on to say, he will exalt you or take delight in you. And he will be quiet in his love, but he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Did you know this morning that when you got up out of your bed, God has been singing songs of joy over your life? Isn't that good? He's been singing joy over your life. And, and uh, you know, I, I woke up next to my wife this morning, and I can tell you, she wasn't singing songs of joy over me this morning. We, we were just trying to wake up. Just trying to get the day started. But when you woke up, God was singing and shouting and declaring songs of victory over your life. Isn't that good? We serve a God who believes more in us than we do. That's for sure. And, and He's passionate about us. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. It says, For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. I don't know if you've been following the news, but over in California, they've had these horrendous fires that have literally consumed an entire town. I mean, a town that was once a prosperous place to live has, has literally been consumed. It's, it's not there anymore. It's literally gone. You know, when, when a fire is a consuming fire, it will burn up everything in its path. And the truth is our God is a consuming fire. He, he, he's not a little spark that we're just trying to get going, just trying to light something. God is a consuming fire. And here's the deal. He actually wants to consume everything in your life that is not of Him. He wants to burn it up. Every bad attitude, every way of thinking that falls beneath how he thinks, he wants to come and he wants to eradicate it from your life. He doesn't want to modify it. Uh, he, he doesn't want to tinker with it. He wants to remove it. He's a consuming fire. So we serve a God who is a consuming fire. Um, I, I think it's interesting that the Bible says when, when Jesus comes and returns, uh, he's not coming for a best friend. He's not coming for someone to hang out with. He, he's not coming for someone who, who, who he can you know, go and watch football with or, or go to the movies with. The Bible says when Jesus returns, he's returning for what? A bride. A bride. Well, how many of you know when you get a bride and you get a bridegroom together, you get what? You get... Oh, a couple of people understood that. A couple of people on the front row were excited about that. Let me try the people at the back of the room. When you get a bride and a bridegroom together, you get what? Passion. 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 There's, there's always passion when a bride and a bridegroom come together. If there isn't, there's a problem. Amen. There's a problem. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Come on, moms and dads, this morning. Can you imagine for a moment the passion that would be required for you to give up one of your kids to people who are not even worthy of their lives? And yet that's what God did for you. That's what God did for me. He's a passionate God. I like the way that the Bible tells us that the week from when Jesus came into Jerusalem, Pam Sunday, to the week where he was crucified and rose again, is actually called what? The Passion Week. Because it is a demonstration of the passionate love of God for you and for me. Amen? So this morning, we've, 
understood that God is passionate. So if God is a passionate God, let me ask you this morning, what is He looking for from you and from me? He's looking for passion. He's looking for us to be passionate in response to His passionate love to us. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. It says this, You shall love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and all of your mind. That's the number one commandment we're called to live by. So, so, so notice for a moment, we're not called to live our lives for God with a little bit of our heart, and a little bit of our soul, and a little bit of our energy, and a little bit of our time. We're called to live for God with all of that. Why? He's passionate, but He's looking for a passionate people. Come on, Kessler Church, are there any passionate people in the house this morning? He's looking for passion. He's looking for people who will reflect His passion back to Him. I, I, I always love to see, uh, you, know, you know, not just the kids, but I love to see kids down the front giving praise to God because kids just know how to be passionate, don't they? And I reckon we can learn something from kids because what happens over a period of time is we learn to care about what other people think about us. But kids don't care what other people think about them, so they just give their praise to God in a way that is passionate. Amen? In fact, if you really want to be someone who grows in the things of God, one of the best things you can do is make a decision today to say, I am going to live having killed the spirit of vanity in my life, and I'm not going to care what anybody thinks about me. Can I get an amen? Because when you've killed the need to look good, it will be easier to be passionate for God. Some of us just want to look good in church. Oh, I could never do that. That's a little over the top. That's a little too much. I, 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 I could never lift my hands. I could never get excited. I could never jump in down because that's just a bit too over the top. But how many of you know God is an over the top kind of a God? He, he's a more than enough kind of a God. And, and I've just decided in my life, I'm 42 years of age, I've just decided I don't care what you think of me. And so it removes the bands on me to be able to praise God however I want. Huh. Some of you may say, well, that's a little too much, is it? Is it? What, how much is too much? How much passion is too much passion? When, when David came into Jerusalem, bringing the Ark of the Covenant with him, dancing and twirling and getting excited, and his wife looked at him and said, David, you've made a mockery of the throne today. What are you doing? He says, you think this is passionate? You wait what I'm about to do next. I, I'm, 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 this is going to go to another level. And we've got to get passion in our walk with God. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? What does it look like to be passionate? I, I, I want to say this. Passionate people, it, it's not a personality type. Passion is not about a personality type. Have you ever been in church and you've seen somebody who, who's kind of passionate and you've thought, well, that's nice for them, but that's not for me. That's the, the passionate people do that. The passionate people come out to prayer uh, when, 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 you know, no one else is going. The passionate people engage. The, the passionate people go the extra mile. That's, that's a personality type. Can I tell you, passion is not a personality type. Passion, passion is not a nationality type. 
I was in, like I said, Germany last week. I'm telling you, they were passionate. The Germans were going for it. Sometimes we think, well, it's a nationality thing. Oh, that group of people. No, no, no. It's not a personality thing. It's not a nationality thing. It's not an age thing. Passion, passion is about our love for God. Passionate is about our, our abandonment to follow Him and, and do everything we can to stay focused on Him. Amen? I, I've discovered that being passionate can irritate people around you. Anyone ever found that? That sometimes passionate people, it's, you know, it, it, can, it can annoy people. It can annoy people. Sometimes we have people you know, coming into our church, and we're a pretty passionate church. And, 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 and sometimes you know, I can tell it, it, just, it makes some people feel a little uncomfortable. It's like, I wish they would just settle down, get into a nice Sunday morning box. And it kind of annoys people. And all the way through the Bible, we find passionate people that are irritated people. Joseph was a passionate man. And my goodness, he irritated some people along the way. David was passionate. He irritated some people along the way. Listen, if you're writing notes this morning, let me give you three thoughts. Three thoughts that you can take away from this morning. Number one, this is really important. Number one is passion comes from within. Passion comes from Within, maybe you're here this morning. And you say, "Okay, how do I? You know, what about this passion? Where does it come from?" And 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 we can be searching for passion in all the wrong places, not understanding that passion actually comes from within. Say, so what do I mean? Well, when you were born again, when you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came and lives inside of you. And so this morning, whether you know it or not, you have a passionate God who dwells on the inside of you. So passion is not out there. Passion is already in me. If God is a consuming fire, and if the Spirit of God lives within me, then whether I feel it or not, whether I respond to it or not, I have a passionate God living in me this morning. Come on, let me just, just remind you this morning, you have a passionate God who is dwelling in your spirit. So, so you know, I know this is true because when, when, when you gave your life to Christ, how many of you remember the passion that you experienced? Amen? When you got born again, when, when, when God came and lived in your life, no one had to tell you to be passionate, did they? No one said, come on, I need a little more passion now. Come on, you need to be a bit... No, no, no. When you had a revelation of Jesus and the Spirit of God came and dwelt on the inside of you, He came with His passion. So passion comes from within. Here's the issue. The issue is that life is full of junk, and if we don't deal with it, it just tries to get on top of the fire of passion and dampen that thing down. And we got to be committed to keeping our fire burning. Now, let me just read you something from the Bible. This is pretty awesome. Leviticus chapter 6. And uh, you can read the whole story later. But in Leviticus chapter 6, uh, the, the children of Israel decide that they're going to build an altar to the Lord. And God says, I want you to build an altar. And so they build it, and they put the animals on the altar. And uh, I don't know, you know what exactly they were about to do next, but I'm assuming they were about to get their matches out, and they were about to get their fire lighters out, or however they were going to start that thing. And, and they were about to do it when the Bible says, all of a sudden, fire fell from heaven onto the altar. 
I want you to picture it for a moment. Don't tune out. Fire fell from heaven onto the altar. And the Bible says the altar, all of a sudden, everything was burnt up. I don't think that's pretty cool. That's just a, that's just a, 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 a recognition that passion is not initiated by you. Passion is initiated by God. But here's, here's what it says in verses 12. It says, meanwhile... This is the instruction. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Somebody say, it must never go out. I need a few more people to say it with a little passion this morning. Say, it must never go out. Each morning, the priest, by the way, you and I are now priests in the new covenant, so you can put your own name there. Each morning, Mark Collard will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. And he will then burn the fat of the peace offering. Listen, remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Everybody say, it must never go out. So who starts the passion? God does. Whose responsibility is it to keep hot? It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's our responsibility to keep our passion in our walk with God. Some, sometimes sometimes we've, we, we've said things like this. Well, you know, if, if Pastor Barry preaches a stormer of a message, that'll help me with my passion. Well, it may help you. It may not help you. I don't know. But it is not his responsibility to keep you hot. It is not this church's responsibility to keep your passion hot. It's not this worship team's responsibility. It's not your spouse's responsibility. It's not your mom or your dad's responsibility. It's not your kid's responsibility. The only person whose responsibility it is for you to stay passionate about God is you. And it's me. Amen. It's our responsibility. And we live in such a funny age, don't we? We, we? we live in such a funny age where we are looking to cast responsibility onto any place we can possibly find it. But I'm here to tell you, it's up to you. It's up to you. In a marriage, whose responsibility is it? it it's, it's not my pastor's responsibility for my marriage to stay hot. It's my responsibility. It's not even my wife's responsibility. Her responsibility is to do her part. It's my responsibility to do my part. We've got to take responsibility. And, and listen, you've got to do whatever you've got to do to keep your relationship with God firing hot. Listen, different people need different things or, 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 or certain things help different people in a different way. For some people, an environment of worship, that it, man, that just sets them on fire. That's what they need. For other people, I love the communion message this morning. I thought it was beautifully presented. Some people, the, the power of the Word of God, it, it will spark something in them that keeps them hot. Uh, we need the church. Uh, we need sometimes to go to a conference that may have a moment that, Gets the fire burning hot again. And listen, whatever it takes, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. You, you've got to quit saying, well, once I was passionate, I, I just don't feel as passionate about God as I once did. Listen, if you don't feel as passionate about God as you once did, I'm, I'm here to encourage you, not to condemn you. But I want to say, come on, do whatever it takes to put wood on the fire to get it burning bright again. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's give God a praise this morning. Here's the second thing about passion. Number two, 
Number two is, is, is passion cannot be contained. Have you ever noticed that? Passion cannot be contained. So um, for those of you who don't know, before I uh, was a minister or a preacher, um, I used to fly planes, for, so I was a pilot uh, for British Airways. And so anyone ever flown on a BA plane, give me a wave. Ever flown with BA? Scary thought it could have been me flying you. <laughs> Scary thought. And, um, and, uh, and so that's what I, that's what I did uh, before I, I, I do what I, I do right now. And, and sometimes, you know, here, here's the thing. I wasn't that passionate about flying. I wasn't that passionate. It was a good job, and I thank God for it. And, uh, and uh, you know, people thought I was completely insane to be leaving it because, you know, kind of a money differential, just a little money differential. And, uh, in fact, just the other day, I was with a friend of mine I did all my training with. He's one of my good friends, and, and, uh, and I, I, he's about to become a captain, a long-haul captain. And uh, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. In a moment of weakness, I asked him what he's going to be earning as a long-haul captain. I, I, and, and as soon as I asked him, I instantly regretted it. I said, what did you, that was a stupid question to ask. Anyway, but I was never that passionate about it. I, you know, it was a good job. I liked it. But I, I used to fly with people who were passionate about planes. So if you're passionate about planes this morning, good on you, but don't come and ask me. I, I, I knew one plane, a Boeing 737. That's about it. I, 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 knew, I knew you pull the yoke back and the cars get smaller and you push forward and the cars get bigger. That's about it. But there are some people that are passionate about planes and, and you know, they want to talk about it all the time. Have you ever met people like that? And, and, and they just want to talk about what they're passionate about. Why? Because when you're passionate about something, you can't keep it in. My mum is 70-something years of age, and my mum and dad were in ministry, and uh, my, my dad is nearly 80, and, uh, you know, my mum is embarrassing to go to the supermarket with because my mum doesn't care who she tells about Jesus. Anyone got a mum like that? You know, we're, we're, we're checking out, and the poor lady at the checkout just wants to get the food through, but my mum is going to tell her about Jesus. Why? She's passionate. She's passionate. When you're passionate about something, it will spill over. It will overflow, and everyone around you will know about the thing you're passionate about. Amen? Never apologize for being passionate. We should never apologize for that. I, I actually love a, 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 an incredible man, in a way, I suppose a hero of mine, a guy called George Whitfield. Anyone ever heard of George Whitfield? George Whitfield uh, lived in the 1500s and 1600s, and, and uh, just an amazing man. He was an evangelist, and he was a preacher. He, he also did many other things, but an amazing man. And, uh, you know, back then, they, they didn't have cars. They didn't have public transport, so they would travel on horseback. And uh, so he would travel up and down the country preaching and ministering, and uh, he would go to the states where God just used him mightily over there, but when he returned to the UK, uh, he, he was a little different than most Anglican ministers. He kind of wasn't prim and proper. Uh, he, he didn't fit the mold. He was passionate. Uh, he was, in fact, they used to call him the dramatist because he was incredibly dramatic in the way that he preached the gospel. But God used him mightily. And so what happened is he returned uh, from America to the UK and he discovered that there was no pulpit, there was no preaching platform available to him. Now, many of us at that moment, if it was us, we would say, well, we did our best. We tried to do what God gave us to do, but there's no opportunity, so I'm going to give up. 
But you know what he did? He just decided, okay, if they don't want me in the Anglican churches of this nation, I'll just go out to the streets and I'll start preaching. And so he would preach in the streets. He would preach in the town centers. He would preach in the parks. In fact, on one occasion, he preached at Hyde Park in London to a crowd with no amplification, no amplification that they reckoned was somewhere between 20 to 30,000 people. Wow. It's a miracle in its own right. That man, do you know, in the course of his lifetime, they, they, they reckon that he preached over 180,000 times. That's a lot of preaching, I can tell you. I've been preaching for 15 years, but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a decimal of a place compared to that. And then in his lifetime, face to face, he preached one-on-one -on -one to people who heard him under the sound of his own voice to over 10 million people. And, and here's what I like about it. I like the fact that he had such a passion for God that he said, if you won't create a place for me, I will go and find a place to tell the people about Jesus. I like the fact that he was not restricted by the people around him, that he didn't say, okay, you're telling me to pipe down, I'll pipe down. I like the fact that he said, you know what? I've got this thing, I've got this fire on the inside and I've got to let it out. Sometimes we are wanting to respond and be passionate for God, but because of the group of people who are sat around us, it causes us to lower our response and to lower our passion to lower than it actually is. When I left British Airways, people who loved me, people who had prayed for me to get that job, could not understand why I was leaving. And if I had listened to them, I would never have done it. I'd never be doing what I'm doing now. I'd never be walking in the call of God in my life. And so sometimes, listen, there may be people around you who tell you, just pipe down a little bit. Just be a little quieter. Can I just say, you've just got to make a decision to say, I'm not going to listen to any of those people. Sometimes the best thing you can do is get up and go and sit with a different group of people. Can I get an amen? I've got to say, if you're not going to encourage the fire that's in my heart, if you're just going to dump on it and bring it down and make it quieter, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and find a different group of people who will say, you be passionate. You be all that God has planned for you to be and what he's put in your heart. Amen? Passion. And let me just say this uh, before I go to my last point, and, and I wonder if the keyboard player could come and join me. It would be amazing. I just want to say this, that, you know, passion is not proved in a moment. Passion is proved in your perseverance. Anybody can be passionate in a moment, but that's not really passion. Passion is actually proved over a long period of time. My, my mom and dad are, are, are married for over 50 years. I want to tell you, that's passion. Any young man, any young woman can go out to a nightclub, get drunk, bring someone home, have sex with them and say that was passion. No, it wasn't. That was lust. Passion is proved over a long period of time. Met a couple of people this morning that, that you've been in this church from the start or, or, or you've been in this church a long period of time. And I, I, want, to, I want to take a moment to honor you to say that you're passionate because you could have given up. You could have gone somewhere else. You could have said, it's never going to happen. The things I'm hoping for, the things I'm dreaming for. You could have said, you know what, there's easier places to go. But passionate people stick around when it's easier to go somewhere else. 
Can I tell you, my wife and I, man, we, we could have we exited full-time ministry on many occasions. I'm telling you, flying planes, whoo, a lot better money, a lot better hours, a lot less stress. Many times I've thought, man, oh man, is this worth it? But passionate people stick around when it's easier to leave. Amen. Don't say you're passionate if, if you're like, man, I'm, man, I'm passionate. I, I've been into this thing for a week. I'm passionate. I've been into this thing for a month. Big deal. Come on. It, it's when you, when you endure week in, week out. You've got to give it to the church in Ephesus. They, they, they made some mistakes, but they kept on going. They kept on going and they, they kept on enduring. Come on, I want to encourage you this morning. If you've kept on going when you could have given up, you need to give yourself a round of applause. You need to give yourself a pat on the back and say, well, at least I'm still here. Amen. I could have quit. I could have gone somewhere else, but I kept on following Jesus. I'm passionate. Here's the third thing about passion. Number three. Number three is, is the question is, you know, how do you restore? How do you restore your passion? And, and, and the answer is you restore passion by doing the things that once brought you passion all over again. Let me, let me read to you one more time, verse 5 of Revelation 2. It says this, three things that we're to do. Number one, it says, think about how far you have fallen. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? Think about how far you've fallen. And in, in, in other words, every one of us from time to time need to pause and remember perhaps once where we were and examine where we are now. Sometimes we just got to take a moment and, and, and say, oh, I used to be there, but the truth is I'm, I'm here now. I, I used to have that passion, but I'm not walking in it the way perhaps I used once to. I, I, I remember once I was on an altar call and I lifted my hands and with tears down my cheeks, I said, God, I'll do whatever you want for me. God, I'll, I'll serve my life for you. I'll, I'll give you everything, but you're not walking that out right now. Maybe you went to a youth camp. Maybe you went to a conference and you, and, and, and you dedicated your life to God. You said, God, I'm, I'm on fire. I don't know. But there was a moment in your life and you can look back and you say, that's where I was. And in a way you say, God, I, I, here I am today. Listen, maybe you're higher now than you were then. Praise God. Keep on putting fuel on the fire. Keep on putting fuel on the fire. But maybe you're here this morning and the truth is you, you were once there and you look now and you say, I'm not where I want to be. The Bible says take a moment and see how far you have fallen. Second thing it says to do is this. It says repent. Everyone say repent. Repent's one of those words, you, you know, no, no one likes to hear the word repent, do they? Not unless there's something a little wrong with you. I'm sorry. No one wants to hear the word repent. The word repent doesn't simply mean saying, I'm sorry. The word repent literally means I'm, I'm moving in this direction and I'm going to do a 180 and I'm going to start moving in a different direction. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I, I, I used to be passionate, but I've lost it and I'm walking in a direction. But this morning I recognize it. And today I'm going to do a 180 and I'm going to start moving in a new direction. Can I get an amen? 
So, so we, we recognize where we were and we understand the direction we're going in. And we say, God, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to turn this ship around this morning and I'm going to walk in a whole new direction. Maybe that's you this morning. Here's the third thing that it tells us to do. It says this, repent and do the works of love that you did at first. So, so let me ask you this morning, what was the thing that you once used to do that brought great passion to your life that you no longer do? What's the thing that brought the fire of God into your heart? What was the thing that burnt you up? What was the thing that just put you on fire for God that, that maybe you haven't done for a long time? When I was at university, I, um, I, in the summer holidays, I went on this music tour. It was called the Continentals. And, um, and it came from the States. And it was really cheesy, I've got to tell you. It was really cheesy, and I had a choir, and I had a band, and I played drums in the band, and, uh, and, and we, would, we would rehearse for a week, and then we'd go, and for about 30 days, we'd go to a different church every night, and we would sing our songs, and, and we would give an altar call, and we'd invite people to Jesus, and, and I t- a little bit, and I look back now, and it was like, man, you know, it wasn't the coolest thing in the world. Anybody ever done something, you look back now, and you say, man, that wasn't cool. But, but God was in it anyway, amen. And uh, my brothers would do it too. And I, and I actually ended up doing five of those tours. And, and something kind of amazing happened. You know, sometimes I will, will laugh at it and joke about it with my brothers. And, and if my mom hears me doing it, my, my mom will say, you know, she'll say, Mark, you can laugh and you can joke. But something happened in your life while you were on those tours. She'll say something happened. You came alive for God while you were on those tours. And it's true, I did. It's true, I did. Something came alive in my heart. I've been brought up in church my whole life. My dad is a pastor. I gave my life to Christ at the age of eight. But, but something happened on those tours where fire came in my heart, where passion started to burn as I used what God had given me to serve His kingdom. And, and, and in fact, on one particular tour, the lady who led it recognized there was something on my life that I had no clue was there. And she said, Mark, I want you to give your testimony tonight. And you've got to understand, uh, I, I was the most horrible public speaker that you have ever heard in your life. Have you ever heard somebody who is so nervous that they, f- they forget to breathe? Or so nervous that everything shakes, legs shake, hands shake. And I remember standing up and the microphone is doing this and grabbing it with two hands and it's still doing this and my legs are shaking and did it and I thought I never want to do that again and she said you got to do, do it do it the next night and the next and for 30 nights in a row I did it and something came alive in my heart and I realized for the first time in my life maybe there was something that God is wanting to use in me and I tell you the story simply to say because I've made a decision in my heart that if I ever come to a point in my journey of faith where my passion has started to fade, if my passion is not what it once was, do you know what I do? I've decided. I've decided I would, I'd walk back to that drum kit and I'd pick up the sticks and I'd start to serve God all over again in my drumming. Do you know why? Because that's the place where my passion for God came alive. That's the place. That's the place. And you know, sometimes when we've lost our passion, the best thing we can do is go back to the place where our passion came alive and do it all over again. And you may say, oh, that's beneath me. I've moved beyond that. No, you haven't. Lower your pride. Get a little humble. I would have no issue every Sunday playing the drums. That's the truth. 
because it's a place where my passion came alive. Come on, I wonder this morning if you're here and you say, I've lost passion, but I want to get it back again. I wonder if you'd say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to discover, I'm going to go back to the thing that I once did to get passion in my heart. I'm going to finish with a story. I, story of David and Bathsheba is a, is a powerful story powerful story. If you don't know it, David is the king of Israel. And the Bible says at the time of year when he should have been out fighting battles, he was at home. Why? Because he had lost his passion for God. And when you lose your passion for God, what typically happens is we get bored. And I want to tell you a bored Christian is a dangerous Christian. One of the worst things we can do in life is live in a place of boredom because when we're in boredom, we will find things to do that we should not do. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and so David is there and he is bored. He's not in his faith journey anymore. And he spots a beautiful young lady washing and bathing herself. And he says to himself, I'm going to have her. And so he takes her and they have sex and she gets pregnant. David does a whole lot of other terrible things and eventually David is there and the baby is sick. The baby is about to die and, and David for seven days, he fasts and he prays and everyone around him is worried about him, but he's, he's crying out to God. He's saying, God, will you save the baby? God, will you save the baby? And after seven days, the baby dies and the Bible says that David gets up off the floor and he puts his best clothes on. And he puts a little bit of aftershave on. The Bible says he goes to the house of the Lord and he starts to worship. He starts to worship. And, and they think, why is he worshiping? Why is he worshiping? The baby has just died. But what they don't know is that David's passion came alive in the fields as a worshiper. And so David knows on the inside, if I can just get back to the place where my passion came alive, if I can just get back to a place of a worshiper, everything else will come back into line again. Come on, I want to I encourage you this morning. God is a passionate God. He's looking for a passionate people. And this morning, He's asking you to respond. If you're here and you say, I had it, but I lost it. I had it, but I lost it. I had it, but I lost it. In a minute, we're going to stand. I want to pray for you. And I believe that God wants to help you get passionate on the inside one more time. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? The rest of the band could come and, and we're going to pray. And I'm going to hand over in just a moment to Dan. Thanks. One of the rest of the band would come. That would be great. Would you just lift your hands this morning in the presence of Jesus? Come on, right across this place. Lifting hands just says, I'm open. Holy Spirit, I'm not shut down. I'm, 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 I'm ready to receive everything you have for me. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And here's what I believe is going to happen. This is my faith, and I want you to join with me this morning. I believe as I pray, it's like the fire of God is going to touch people's lives. Maybe you're passionate this morning, but you say, man, I want to be more passionate. I want to love the Lord God with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my body and all of my life and all of my energy and all of my money and all of my time. I want to, I want to give everything to God. Come on in a minute. I believe it. There's just going to be an anointing from the Holy Spirit. It's just going to, you're going to feel it. 
You're going to feel it in your belly. You're going to feel the fire of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Mark, I had it, but I lost it. This morning I look and I see how far I've come. This morning I'm prepared to repent. I'm I'm prepared to turn. I'm prepared to go in a different direction. and, And I'm prepared to go and do the things that I once did. At the fire of God, the passion of God would burn a blaze in my heart this morning. Holy Spirit, you are such a good God. You love us passionately this morning. And I pray this morning that in this room we would feel the tangible weight of heaven of how much you love us. For people who maybe are here would say, I've never felt God. Come on, this morning, God, I'm asking that they would feel the weight of heaven that that feel the fire of heaven. Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus, right across this room from the front all the way to the back, across this room into the kids' rooms, into the welcome space, I'm declaring in the name of Jesus that the passion of God would fall in people's hearts this morning, that something would start to happen. We're going to worship in a moment. We're going to worship with passion, that something would start to light people up on the inside. Amen. Come on, as we worship this morning, Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would just ignite once again passion in our heart. Come on, can we sing? Let's sing together. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this me dry bones dry bones my bones are dry this morning dry bones means there's no life in them there's no life there's no life of the spirit in them you're alive 
but there's no life of the Spirit. Come on, if you're here this morning and that's you, you say, man, I want my dry bones to come to life. How about just lifting your hands right now? Come on, just ask Him. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring these dry bones to life. Bring them to life right now. Bring them to life right now in Jesus' name. Come on, I declare it all over this place. Dry bones, life, life, life in Jesus' name. Just for a moment, if we get every, every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to tell you, following Jesus is the greatest thing that you could ever do. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, man, there's no passion in my life. But Jesus wants to come alive and for you, He wants to bring great passion into all that you do before you leave this room today, I just want to pray with you. Give you an invitation to say, Jesus, would you come and be my friend? I'm going to pray a line. I'm going to get us all to pray it together. I don't know how you do it here, but that's how I'm going to do it this morning. And when we pray, we're going to pray with boldness. Nice and loud, amen. Say this with me. Say, dear God, today I thank you that you love me, you died for me, and you paid the penalty for all my sin, all my independence. But I thank you, you rose again, and you have created a new life for me. And today I choose to receive your love, to receive your forgiveness, and enter in to my new life in Jesus name just every eye closed for the next 30 seconds if you're here in a moment I'm just going to ask you simply to acknowledge the decision you've made this morning maybe it's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this man we want to celebrate with you this morning but maybe today you are coming back you are reconnecting with God and This morning you prayed that prayer for either of those two reasons. I'm just going to ask you right now, would you just be really brave? Just lift your hand up. Put it up nice and high. I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it before you put it back down again. Make sure I see it before you put it down. Thank you so much. I see you. Fantastic. Come on, maybe others here this morning. Just responding to Jesus' love. Make sure I see your hand before you put it down. Good on you. Thank you so much. A couple of people this morning. Last few moments, if that's you. A couple of people coming into the kingdom, amen. That is the greatest thing on the face of the planet. Come on, can we with passion give God a huge shout of praise this morning? Come on, lift them up.